Hi, I'm Chris Kinney. And I'm Jeff Moore. And you're in the Music Business Lounge, your source for the insight you need from the industry's best and brightest. We've got some great stuff for you today, so let's hop right in. Hey, everyone. So we are so happy to have with us today Rick Barker. Rick is a personal manager, a marketing consultant, a public speaker, and a teacher from Nashville, Tennessee, who's done all sorts of stuff and had all sorts of success all over the industry, uh, from helping launch the career of Taylor Swift to consulting for Live Nation to mentoring American Idol contestants. And we are so pumped to have him with us. How are you doing, Rick? So far, so good. The weather's been uh, seasonably warm here in Nashville, so I'm excited about that for sure. Gives me a little extra golfing time. That's always nice. Yeah, we hit, got hit by like two feet of snow in, in the Boston area. Then all of a sudden it was 72 over the weekend. So okay, kind of so weird. we had an 80 degree day. So it wasn't just us. Global warming. Here we go. <laughs> I can't, I like, I, I'm upset and at the same time, very happy to be outside. It's, it's a yeah. conflicting thing. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're enjoying the weather. But uh, we, we like to start these out just talking a little bit about sort of your background and your history. You have done so much in the industry. Could you talk to us just a little bit about sort of how you got into the business, how you started sort of from the very beginning? Sure. So radio was my thing. You know, while most kids wanted to be in rock bands, I always wanted to be the guy on the radio playing the songs. Uh, mm. I would grow up, we would take the cassette tapes and record the countdowns and I would practice talking like the DJs. You know, that's just really <laughs> what I loved and what I wanted to do. I uh, was given that opportunity when I moved to California uh, in 1989, I was hired by KISS FM in Los Angeles as an, as an intern answering the phones and worked my way up to be able to get my first part-time gig in Santa Barbara uh, on a pop station and then uh, moved to Santa Barbara. Did my whole entire radio career there and loved it. You know, spent 15 years uh, doing morning radio. We've been on every English-speaking radio station, including Sports Talk in 2001 was asked to build a country radio station. And I felt, you know, I grew up in Alabama. I knew who Johnny Cash was. So I felt as qualified as anybody else in California to build a country station. And <laughs> at that time it was right after nine 11 and the world was in a different place. You know, the mentality was different and country music just seemed like the right fit at the time. You know, people were, you know, there were the stories, there were a lot of things going on, started, uh, getting an opportunity to meet labels and meet artists, started asking questions, uh, solved, you know, realized that, you know, when these artists go out on radio tour, there really wasn't anything in place that one got them paid or two, let them get in front of an audience. So I went ahead and I created one. Uh, and it was called Nashville to you with that. I helped launch Sugarland, little big town, Rodney Atkins, um, uh, just a bunch of different country artists. But what that did also was it got me on the radar of Scott Borchetta, who was a promotions guy here in town, but was getting ready to start its own record label. And he brought me out of radio to work for Big Machine Records, introduced me to a 16-year-old at the time named Taylor Swift and wanted me to teach her radio because that's the background that I came from, take her on that you know, radio tour that I had created. So she came out to California. We spent 30 days together that ultimately ended up changing both of our lives. And then I went directly into her management and that was my first management client. So I went from, you know, no management experience to Taylor and was with her for a couple of years. And, uh, 
ended up going and consulting major labels on their marketing, uh, creating opportunities for various bands. I'm big in the artist fan engagement space. I'm big on, you know, being able to sell merch and identify situations. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of the beginning. And then a few years ago, I decided I could be of more service to help more artists if I could learn how to teach. So I went, started studying from the best internet marketers in the world and said, how do I take my 25 years experience, put it online and give more people an opportunity to learn how to build an audience, build a fan base, monetize it, and hopefully, you know, start making money with their music. Absolutely. And Very cool. uh, we we want to get into into all of that. But before we do, so I I'll like to ask this this question. So when you think about your your career thus far, um, can you think about sort of choices that you've made or if anything sort of comes up in, in your mind, sort of pivotal choices or even sure. little things like good or bad that you learned from? Uh, oh, that no, that's a great can, can learn. That's from? a great yeah. question and a great way to look at it. You know, one of the things that Scott Borchetta said about Taylor and I in the beginning is he says, you know, you guys are going to be successful because you're too dumb to know any better. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, wait a minute. Is this a compliment? And what it was <laughs> is that what we realized early on that if we were willing to do what no one else was willing to do, there's a good chance that we could get the results that no one else was willing to get. So at the time, uh, we social media had just started. It was MySpace. And she was very actively involved in MySpace. And we learned early on that if we were willing to let the fans know things about her and she was willing to become their friend and not put herself on a pedestal like most artists are up here and the fans are down here. She made herself equal with the fans. And that's what still makes her the biggest star today. So that was one lesson that we, we really learned from. We also always had the philosophy, let's start it crazy and work backwards. So crazy at the time was <laughs> no one was doing after show meet and greet. So we became famous for these three and a half long, you know, hour meet and greets at the end of shows. Uh, there were those things, you know, when she won an award, we brought the award out and let fans hold it and take pictures with it. You know, get it. Then we wow. ended up as everyone's thumbnails. You know, it's like everybody yeah. else takes the awards yeah. and puts them on a shelf. We took hers on the road, said, hey, you're standing here for three hours. Hold this. Take a picture. Share it with your friends. So uh, that's just kind of the stuff that we did different. You know, we wanted to have a very hands on approach with the audience. We wanted them to realize it was just as important as they felt that they knew her and that she knew them. You know, it was that when that was different. Yeah. Those are some of the lessons that I learned early on uh, that I think were very beneficial. Kind of pioneering that that fan engagement that's kind of crucial to everything these days. Yeah. Now, now, when you talk about sort of that, yeah, that idea of giving your audience access as an artist, I think I read that you once told Taylor Swift, if you want to sell 500,000 records, you have to meet 500,000 people. Uh, and it sounds like she definitely took that advice. Um, can you talk a little bit, a bit about the idea of audience access that you've been talking about, but how can an independent artist take that idea sure. and run with it? Well, the thing is, is I saw the impact she had when people met her. So I was like, okay, so how do we get to as many people as possible? And I knew if we tried to do it just through touring, it would take forever. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's why we started really utilizing social media as well. And that's what independent artists have today is they have the ability to get themselves in front of people all over the world. The problem is most of them don't know how to talk to folks. All they do is try to promote and sell. 
Uh, so one of the things that I really focus on in the programs that I teach is like, let's go build relationships with these folks. Let's go get involved in their conversations. Let's not make it just about you. Uh, let's go find out, you know, the movies they're watching, the books they're reading, the sports teams they're cheering on, and let's get actively and participate in that. And then we can bring them into the music side of things. So, uh, that's what was important about it is I saw, you know, not all artists, uh, have the personality to need to get in front of anybody. It can actually cause more harm than good. She was one of them that won with people. So that's why we did it. You talk about becoming a business-minded artist, um, and I think you've you've touched on a bit of that, but sort of, I guess, in a more general sense, what does that mean to you, and how can our listeners uh, start becoming more business-minded? Well, it is the music business, and if you want, yeah. ultimately, if you want people to invest in you, the fans, a record label, whoever, you need to start investing in yourself. Uh, first and foremost, you need to get yourself set up properly legally as a business to be able to take advantage of certain write-offs and things like that to protect yourself from lawsuits and things like that. But you also need to understand that your job every day should be to get your music in front of as many people as possible. That's your job. Your job every day should be to provide customer service to your business. You know, that's going out and utilizing social media to build relationships, maintain relationships. If all you think the business is, is just recording music and playing, uh, that's called a hobby. Uh, that's not necessarily called the music business, but there's nothing wrong with having a hobby either. But if you ultimately want to try to get somebody to invest in you, they need to see that you understand the business you're getting yourself into and you're actually treating it like a business. Absolutely. So what would you say are sort of like those sort of baseline promotional tools or like a baseline presence that an artist should have and then build, build out from? Well, everybody should have a website. They should have their own domain name. That's the only actual thing that you you own. Everything else is kind of lease space through social media and mm -hmm. things like that. So make sure you have a website. Make sure you have an email list. Make sure you're utilizing on the music side, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. If you have a very young audience, you may want to play in Snapchat a little, Snapchat a little bit, but you basically want to hang out where your audience is hanging out. Go get involved in as many conversations as you can and ultimately try to bring them back to your music in the least forceful way possible, but hopefully the most organic way possible. Absolutely. And can you talk a little bit more about sort of you mentioned getting involved with what your audience is interested in? So obviously that, again, being business minded involves sort of outlining who your audience is and who you're dealing with sort right. of doing market research first, right? Is right. Well, yeah. I mean, think of it this way. You could have the best hamburger stand in the world, but if you open it up in a town of vegetarians, you just screwed yourself. <laughs> uh, that's the same thing with your music. You know, if you're out trying to push heavy metal music to a hip hop crowd, uh, it's not going to be that successful. So for example, we were just having a conversation here in the, in the office about the TV show Nashville. Uh, mm. So if you feel that you're a country music artist and your fans might be watching the TV show Nashville, you can go get in on the hashtag. You can go in on the Facebook page. You can go in and start saying what you thought about the episode. You know, you can bring value to the conversation. Then when the time is right, you could slip on, you know, last night's song inspired me to go write this one. Now, all of a sudden, you just let them know you're a musician. You know, it's yeah. like if right now I always tell folks if, you know, This Is Us is another television show that's got a very active fan base online right now. 
the uh, you watch that show go get involved in that conversation you know it's like if all of a sudden everybody's talking about the oscars go get involved in that conversation if everybody's talking about the super bowl go get involved in that conversation you know know the books your audience is reading what stores are they shopping at what experiences are they going through in their lives right now know as much about them as you can and that's what taylor did you know she all these little girls would say things like, oh, my God, it's like you're reading my diary. No, she was just listening. You know, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to listen. You know, it's like I tell other business owners that I work with. You want to know what's going on with your competitor? Go to Amazon and read the reviews, you know, read what people <laughs> are complaining about and then fix it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That that makes a ton of sense. Let me ask you. What are some, you know, you're giving all this great advice. What are some of the biggest or most repeated mistakes that you see people making uh, that we can try not to make? Well, they think it's about them and it's not, you know, it's about the fan. You know, your job is to deliver music that affects them in some way, shape or form. You know, you're telling their stories, you're uh, relaying their emotions, you know, that the modality at which people can consume music right now is anybody can get it for free. So if they're going to invest in you, they're investing in you. Uh, so you want to be able to do that. Don't always talk about yourself. Don't take days off with scheduling programs. You could be active every day. Your job is to try to get their attention some way, shape or form. So if you just show up every couple of days, it's not going to happen. One, because the analytics through the social media platforms aren't going to allow your stuff to be seen because you aren't showing consistently that your stuff's engaging. And that's what they've committed to show these people in their news feeds. So show up every day. I see artists only show up to talk about themselves. We hate our friends that do that. Don't be that person. Uh, (laughs) You know, be someone that, you know, understands reciprocity. Uh, and go go be a giver, not just a taker. What would be sort of like the key main suggestions uh, that you have for people trying to to not fall into those mishaps? Well, the thing is, as I say, treat your social media like you treat your meal plan. Give them something for breakfast, something for lunch, something for dinner. Uh, in the morning, people need to kind of get motivated. I'll usually do inspirational quotes. I'll do some funny videos in the afternoon to live them and uh, liven them up. And then I'll usually teach or solve a problem for them later in the evening and then drive them to one of my free video series. The same for an artist is, you know, you could do a little, uh, you know, quote. You could then say, hey, heading into the studio, working on a track today, can't wait to share it with you guys. And then later on, do a Facebook Live and play some original songs. You know, it's as simple as stuff like that. Um, It's just every day you got to remember it's like there's no shortage of artists. There's no shortage of people vying for their attention. What's going to make you stand out? What's going to make you different? I guess at the end of it, to be heard through all the noise, you're building them and nurturing them throughout the day and then hammering it home at, at the night, I guess, you know, with a selling point or with, with some sort of product, I guess. Yeah. It's a live thing, chat or for me. Yeah. For me, I don't really offer products per se. Yeah. I offer solutions and those solutions then lead to products. So for mm-hmm. example, I'll say something like, hey, tonight I'm doing a Q&A for the parents. You know, if you have questions about the business, come on my Facebook Live and I'll answer anything you got. And then in that Facebook Live, I'll say, by the way, a lot of you kept asking the same questions. So I created this program that solves and answers all those questions. You know, right yesterday, I just released a product with a gal by the name of Dawn Beyer. That's basically it's the it's the uh, uh, 
the five-figure Facebook Live formula. You know, here's a girl, one girl, one iPhone, and one year did $74,000, you know, wow. doing Facebook Lives. And we broke it down step by step. So, you know, that started with her and I having a, you know, about a 45-minute interview conversation broken up in two videos that I offered for free. Then at the end of the second video, I'm like, hey, if you want Dawn step by step and everything, click here. And then I offer them a program for 97 bucks. So, you know, I went ahead and solved their problems, got in on the conversation. The conversation was, we can't get enough tour dates where no one will hire us. We don't blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so we went ahead and said, great, here's Dawn. Felt the same way. Now look. Very that cool. Is, yeah, that is amazing. And I'll also just say, just to uh, go back on a couple of points, Rick's uh, social media presence. So I think, Rick, your Twitter is Rick Barker Music, right? At Rick Barker Music, yes. And uh, Rick does a bunch of content, but also these live on the drive videos where it's just Rick in his car just spitting knowledge uh, and about different topics uh, on his drive. I, I really enjoy. So I would just, guys, definitely go uh, and check out uh, Rick uh, online. And then the other thing is um, to go back to Rick, you, you mentioned the idea of having a website. I think that is a huge take takeaway here. Like you can have all the social presence in the world, but like you mentioned, that's someone else's vehicle. When you get to your website, you have total control over that message and that story and what people are seeing there. So sure. I think that's a huge take, a huge takeaway, right? I've, I've seen you talk about the idea of success and defining success uh in different circumstances you know artist to artist uh situation to situation can you talk about that idea of defining success and what that means in sort of the overall you know plan or sort of having a vision as an artist yeah i always tell people it's like everyone's definition is different you know it's like somebody might say well unless you get a record deal you're not successful well what if you get a record deal and you never get a song released and you get dropped was that success you know, you got the record deal. Some people's success might be, you know, making 50 grand a year, you know, doing what they love to do, knowing that they're making more than most teachers. Success to some may be being able to play 100 shows a year. Success to some may be landing a publishing deal. So a lot of times you've got to sit down and say, what is, what does success mean to me? You also want to, I think, and I feel very strong about this, you need to put yourself in a situation that you have somewhat control of. You don't control whether you get a record deal. There are no two career artist paths that have ever been the same. There is no uh, formula. There is no shortcut. There is no this. So uh, I don't think that you should do this. You know, Getting the record deal may be a byproduct of being a successful touring band. Getting a publishing deal might be a byproduct of having a successful Spotify channel that people are sharing your music. So the big reward should be byproducts of the work that you're putting in. Your goal should be to get your music in front of as many people as possible every day and to change lives. And if you're, you have a huge social media following, then you're having success. So everyone's definition is different. Everyone's path to get there is going to be different but you need to have something that you're shooting towards. Uh, and, and going back to what you were saying about the website is that sure. if something happens with Facebook or YouTube or whatever, and that was the only way that you were communicating with your audience, now you don't have access to your audience anymore. So you need mm. your primary focus should be to get them to your website, give them something of value. You know, if you go to my website, 
it's built for one thing to get the email list. You're going to see Taylor say something. Thank me for being our manager, Scott Borchetta from big machine saying something cool. And then I'm going to offer you a copy of my book. And then Mm -hmm. right below that, I'm going to tell you what I believe about the music business. And then I'm going to offer you a free video series. You know, it's like, you don't see my social media links up top or anything like that, because I don't want you to go there. I want you to give me your email address. So I have to give you something that I think provides value to you. Absolutely. The idea of Mm -hmm. providing value, I think is huge. And you've talked about that before too, too, Chris, the idea of sort of a call to action and providing value for your audience, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to echo what he said in in terms of having a website, just in my time in the industry, there's countless bands that through the MySpace era had these huge friends lists and contact lists. And we all know what happened in MySpace. They then had to work from the ground up with Facebook. And, you know, you can tell them to their blue in the face that they need a a website. But some people just see it as defunct, which is their loss, while other people are nurturing their their lists through email lists or through their websites. So, so huge. Um, And I just have a couple more questions for you, Rick. You know, everything you've said is sort of based off of this point of, you know, engaging and building relationships with your audience and building relationships with with people can you talk a little bit about sort of the other side of that i guess sort of building relationships business wise uh and your view on that and why that is important i think one of the things that people don't learn is the skill of networking uh Mm. i also think sometimes that people try to get to folks that aren't at their level And I say that respectfully, but you need to, you know, if you're a songwriter, you don't just come to town and go, Hey, I write songs. So I'm going to go try to hook up with hit songwriters. Probably (laughs) not going to happen in the beginning. So you need to write where you're at. You know, if you're a a band that's looking for a manager and you haven't, you know, you're not doing a hundred shows a year, you're just getting started. You're probably not going to want to try to go get in front of, you know, Irving Azoff, uh, (laughs) And you may want to find a buddy and let them start there. So the key with any good networking is knowing where you're at, especially in the scope of things. Uh, you don't want to be seen too early. You know, you don't want to see be seen before you're ready because the folks that I've worked with in the industry were looking for reasons to say no because it's so crowded. So don't give mm. them any. So don't think just because you wrote one song, you need to go sit down with a publisher. You don't. Uh, let's just say because you won some little contest in your town, you're ready for a record deal because you're not. So understand where you are in the scope of things and start being willing to grow. We're one of the few businesses where we put unqualified people into the marketplace with a half a million dollar investment. And then when it doesn't work, we fire them. Uh, it blows me away. So I really try to make sure that the artists are prepared for whatever opportunity comes their way. We're not curing cancer. We don't need a bunch of kids here. You know, this is a business. You need to show that you can treat it like a business and then you'll have an opportunity hopefully to, you know, to better yourself and make better relationships as you move up the ladder. So, yeah, so speaking a little bit about, you know, not being prepared enough um, before debuting or before hunting to be hunted. Um, I've always been told, you know, to, to be ready in the sense of having a hundred assets with your brand or having 90% of the work done from your couch. What, I guess for an artist, whether it's a band or a singer songwriter, what is ready? Well, it depends on who the person is that you're trying to impress. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if if you think that you're ready for a record deal, but you don't tour and you only have one song, you're not ready. Uh, you know, right now, record companies are looking for small businesses to invest in, you know, uh, absolutely for publisher, you know, for songwriting. If you just started writing songs and you've got a catalog of about 20 songs, I don't think you're ready for a publishing deal until you've written 100 songs. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to go learn your craft. You need to go learn your trade. And then, of course, somebody will come along and sign an absolute random nobody. So, you know, everyone's different. But I know for me, you better have you better have been in the business for a while. You better treat it like a business. I better see that you're showing up for work every day. Uh, because if you walk into a record company and you're the best, let's just say you're the best female vocalist and you sound like Carrie Underwood and they already have a Carrie Underwood, they're not going to sign you, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like, I think labels, the smart ones are looking for the most original things that they can find. They're looking to see if there's a consistency with the work ethic. They're probably looking at who's on their team. Who's involved with them? What are they doing on a daily basis? Are they already playing? You know, do they need a lot of work or are they ready to, you know, just be fine tuned a little bit and sent out on the road? So uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I, there's there's no answer to that question, unfortunately, that's that's universal for everyone. No, that was a perfect answer. Every situation <laughs> situation's different. Um, yeah. It's, you know, there's timing that's non-duplicatable. There's luck, which isn't duplicatable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody may, you know, have a, you, your look might remind them of a girlfriend that broke their heart in high school and they decided <laughs> to say no, but you know, everybody else thinks you're ready. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, but I, th- yeah. And just that general sort of idea, you, you never know, but you put yourself in the best situation by, like you mentioned, treating it like a business and sort of getting yourself into a situation where your business, your small business is proven, it's working, it's scalable, and that will make people want to buy, buy into it. Yeah. And a problem that a lot of people don't understand now is that you used to need the record label because they were the only distribution channel. That is not the case anymore. You can have, you can wake up in the morning, think of the song, write the song, record the song, upload the song, shoot a video for the song and get paid for the song all in one day, you know, without having to ask anybody's permission. So you don't need the label. You need the label to become your partner, to go maybe enhance some relationships to, you know, open up some doors that might not have been open for you, but you do not need them for the creation process and the distribution process anymore. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great stuff. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about, I'd love to hear just more about, you touched a little bit on the music industry blueprint. Just let our listeners know what you have going on, where they can find you, and how they can buy into all things Rick Barker. Yeah, just go to rickbarker.com. Go to my website, grab a free copy of the book, grab a free copy of the video series, There's, you know, if you're interested in some of the programs that I offer, you'll see them there. But uh, first things first, just go grab the free stuff. Uh, Use it. You know, there's some great, valuable information there. You can follow me on all the socials from the website as well. But just head over to rickbarker.com. Awesome. And have a great day, Rick. Bye-bye. You guys got it. Be good. Bye-bye. 
Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, make sure to like, subscribe, and let us know what you think. You can find expanded interviews and articles at musicbusinesslounge.com, or you can connect with us directly on Twitter at MBL Podcasts.